The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. One of the main reasons that I tell you guys to follow me on social media every day is because I want to interact with you. And yesterday I put out a tweet basically saying, what should we do more of? Fantasy analysts as a whole, not necessarily just me, but my goal, of course, was to look at the responses and see if anything jumped out as super interesting. So thank you to all of you guys right under the bat here. I want to give a, a specific thank you to those that wrote in with really thoughtful, measured replies on what fantasy analysts should do more of. I'm going to take them to heart. I think there were about 20 really strong replies on things that we can do either better or differently. And I invite you guys all to do the same. I sent this tweet uh, yesterday, Monday at 4.05 Pacific time. If you want to go hunt it down. This is Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. Good morning to you. Happy Tuesday. I am your host, Dan Bespris. And talking about social media, you can follow me over there at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. If you're having trouble finding me, just Google search Dan from HoopBall. It's the third option. Usually the third search result is my Twitter feed. Uh, I would very much invite you to follow. I would very much invite you to interact with me. I'm running out of time to answer, you know, should I make this trade type of stuff. But theory, theory questions are the ones that really get me going. And we'll do more of that on the podcast as we work our way through the season as well. One of the ones, actually, one of the responses to that, that uh, question on social media was player A versus player B comparisons. People seem to like that one. Another one that a lot of people agreed with was that podcasters such as myself we need to repeat the name of the player we're talking about when we get lost in thought sometimes we don't go back and say oh this is the guy we were we were discussing bob says matching buy lows and sell highs i actually think that's a a very very good suggestion and one that i've been trying to do more of on social media when i say something like hey buy low with this guy i'm really trying to say and there's not a a specific player that's really tough because it's sort of owner-dependent in your leagues, whatever fantasy GM, how they value their own player. So I try to give a window. Hey, this is the guy. These are probably what you can flip out and see if it makes sense. Because one of the things that actually makes me the most upset is when fantasy analysts are like, hey, buy low on this guy, but they don't tell you how to do it. So anyway, great suggestions, folks. Great suggestions. I will be putting them all into the bucket and seeing what we can come up with on that front. This is a hoop ball presentation. This podcast is a hoop ball presentation. That's hoop-ball.com. Join us. Join us on our premium memberships. The Fantasy Pass, $4.99 a month. You get live Q&A video shows. You get Discord access. You get the Tweet Storms. They're all in the Discord this year, aside from sometimes we drop like one a week back on Twitter just to remind everybody of the good old days. The Tweet Storms, that's all part of the Fantasy Pass. The DFS Pass is actually included in the Fantasy Pass, that's a buck ninety-nine a month if you wanted to get it on its own. There is no multiple month commitment any uh, anymore. That was only before the season started. And if you're into the betting side of things, we have the Wager Pass for nine ninety-nine a month. I went two and zero yesterday. I had the Grizzlies and the Kings. Couple of winners over here. Nine ninety-nine a month, not a play, a month. So those two winners 
I don't know how much you guys put on bets. 20, 30 bucks a play, more, less. Doesn't matter. We won them both. Two and a half units yesterday. If you put 20 bucks uh, per unit, that would have been 20 and 30. You would have won 50 bucks. You would have just paid for five months of the wager pass. So please do check that out. That was just me. There's six other handicappers on our, our roll that are all in the same exact thread. And if you want to get everything all together, the HoopBall 360 is $12.99 a month. Please do check that out. That's how we keep this website going. Again, hoop-ball.com. Today on the show, we'll be recapping Tuesday, preview, uh, Monday, excuse me, we'll be previewing a Tuesday from both a betting and a fantasy standpoint and going through some of the interesting storylines from those two days. But first, the news of the day. The news of the day is that there is no belief that Kyrie Irving will return to practice this week. And this is very much the news of the day because apparently video, and I haven't seen it, but apparently video is circulating of Kyrie Irving at a birthday party with 20 to 30 people maskless. And I don't know, maybe he's had COVID already, so he doesn't feel like, and odds are you won't. There are examples, a couple examples here and there of guys testing positive for it twice, but it's very uncommon as of now. So maybe that's part of it. And I know he's getting tested every day for COVID before his return. But damn, man. Damn, that's a bad look. I get it. I get it, man. After and and this is a this is a very weird year for me in the podcast. A lot of the things that I've said on this pod this year, maybe more than any other, and I don't know why. It's a lucky streak, I think. Where I've said something and then there's been news breaking like 10 hours later that makes me look like I could see the future. I promise you I can't. You know, when two week and a half ago I said, hey, Kelly Olynyk, pick him up. And then six hours after I did the podcast, they were like, oh, Kelly Olynyk's starting now. This is a little bit similar because yesterday, you guys remember, yesterday I did about a three-minute rant on the show about how it's just not going to be a fun year. For NBA players and teams. It'll be fun for us, maybe, if we can get through the season. Because we at least have fantasy sports back again after nine months without a fantasy-relevant game happening. Believe me, I mean, we paid our dues in there. It's a silly thing to say for a fantasy podcast, but you know what I mean. It's not going to be a fun year for the teams. And I think we're we're still seeing that they're not quite grasping that. It's going to be a grind, and some of them, a lot, I shouldn't say some, a lot of these guys, I think the Lakers, I know that I'm a Laker fan, but that's not why I'm bringing them up. I bring them up as an example of a team that, you know, if you went deep into the bubble, you sort of, no, that's not even the right, that's not even the right way to look at it. Like, I would, I would look at the, at baseball, I'm going to reset this discussion. I would look at baseball as a sport that had a bunch of breakouts of COVID very early in their baseball season. I think it was the Marlins, and then the Cardinals had some. And then, like, the was it the Reds? No, it was the Indians. Some team out of Ohio. It was the Indians that had a couple guys you turn up at a party or a bar or something like that, and they just sent them to the minors. Like, you got to punish these guys. You have to make an example, no matter who it is. So that's not me saying you have to make an example of Kyrie Irving, because. but here's the thing. You know, we saw this with James Harden before the season started, him showing up at a, a random birthday party. 
these guys all need to accept this is not going to be a fun year. This is a business year. You keep the NBA afloat. And I, I, I apologize for feeling like I'm lecturing the players that are doing this, but I, I, I feel like it's necessary. Whatever is being said isn't enough. So there are a couple things going on here. Number one, there's so much damn COVID. It's everywhere that you lit. I'm like, you could be as careful as careful can be. You could be a nine out of ten on the careful scale, and you could still end up with it. And I've I've had many examples in my personal life, people I know that have had this happen to them. Extraordinarily careful people with pre-existing conditions and the whole deal, just like petrified of it for good reason, have still somehow had it hit their households. It happens. And these NBA guys are traveling. They're in hotels. Presumably, they have to find ways to get food to them. And, you know, I'm guessing that not every hotel has the type of room service that they want. Like, you don't want a a hotel bacon and eggs at 1 in the morning or whenever the hell these guys get back to the hotel room after these ball games. So they're trying to figure out ways to order in, do pickup, things of that nature. There are a lot of places... Where contact can be made, you gotta, you know, you gotta use a shirt or, or a towel to touch doorknobs. All these little things that you have to do, and and you could still get infected. So, you know, I I don't want to say that everybody that's that's getting it in the NBA is doing something wrong. Though, but this is this is a really bad look. It's a bad look for Kyrie in particular, and then. It's an example of things that we don't know. I will add the caveat here in the middle of this rant that we don't have all of the details yet. So this could change dramatically right after I drop the podcast. And if it does, then hell, I'll do a a four or five minute apology on tomorrow's show or on social media. I have no problem with that. But where, with the information we have now from the Woj tweet uh, I believe she, Woj was quoting Malika Andrews, who's an ESPN writer. Kyrie Irving was seen maskless at a giant family birthday party. This is the same Kyrie who I assumed had asked out for a few games because of the the stuff going on at the U.S. Capitol. And with that in mind, we all were like, okay, yeah, like take whatever time you need, man. This is... There's crazy stuff going on. If that's messing you up mentally, okay, take your time. But then, but then, like, that's a fun party. It wasn't at a wake. It was a birthday party with 30 people. Sorry, dude. If you want to take time away from the NBA to get your head straight when when societal issues and, and crazy news are just making it impossible to focus, yeah, that's fine. But you don't get to do that by going to a 30-person birthday party. I've been in a group of more than four people in 10 months. Many of the people listening to this podcast I know are doing the same thing. It's not, you can't have fun this year. Just stop. And maybe he doesn't, maybe he doesn't test positive. In that case, it's a bullet dodged. But look at what's happening to the NBA right now. The Heat are down half of their team. The Wizards now have two people in the protocol. The Mavs 
Every game postponed. Boston, every game postponed. Please, we need 100% of the NBA to take this seriously, or it won't work. You can't have people going rogue. So let's hope, let's hope, my last thought on this is, let's hope that as we get more information, this looks less bad than it looks right now. Maybe it will. That would be great. I would love it if word came out that this was all overblown and some other stuff was going on and the video was from like three weeks ago and before this. Uh, like, I would love it more than nothing else. I don't expect it, but I would love it. But as it stands right now, someone's got to sit all these dudes down and tell them, this is not going to be a fun year for you. Just get through it. Go to the arena, go home. Go to the arena, go back to the hotel. Get someone on your team. Someone's responsible for getting everybody food on the team. Whatever it, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes at this point. Baseball could do it. They play every day and travel. Then the NBA can do it. Because they play every other day and travel. That said, we're in the middle of a massive surge. Which wasn't the case in July. We were sort of stemming a surge in July and August. And now it's the worst it's ever been. So you're, you're it's, you know, apples and oranges to some degree. But again, if a sport that plays every single day can somehow put a pause on a giant breakout, then surely the NBA can do the same. We'll wait and see what comes of the Players Association and NBA meeting that's happening later today. And we'll react to the ad on uh, social media and on tomorrow's podcast. Let's take a look back at Monday because, uh, man, the news, the news these days is just... Not my favorite. Milwaukee and Orlando played a tight game for three quarters, and then the Bucks just went bananas uh, late in this one. As per usual, they didn't need to use their starters very much. Chris Middleton led the team in minutes played with 29 minutes and 50 seconds. Drew Holiday, 29 minutes, 30 seconds. He knew his was going to be a down year, just not playing 35 minutes a game. Bobby Portis had 20 again. He's not going to shoot 69% in every game. He's probably not going to shoot whatever he's at now, 56-57% for the year. But he continues to be usable, at least in the short term. Something happened on this Milwaukee team. I, you know, They looked like they were going to be just the five starters and nothing else, but Bobby Portis has shoehorned himself into fantasy value, at least in the short term. Over on the Orlando side, we've been getting a lot of questions about Cole Anthony, and I'll repeat what I said right from the outset. He's a starting point guard on an NBA team with really no one coming for his particular minutes. He had 12 points, three boards, a steal, and a three-pointer with uh, some poor field goal percent in this ballgame. But, yes, starting point guard will play minutes, all that good stuff, but they're not going to run the offense through him. This is exactly what I said when Markel Fultz went down last week. You can pick him up, and he should be rostered right now to see how this thing turns out, to just sort of watch it play. But we've heard, for one... His conditioning as a, as a rook trying to play giant NBA minutes every night, he's he's sore, he's banged up already. Like, this is this going to be a, a, a big lift for this dude. He was not expecting to play these kind of minutes. And what we said on the podcast four days ago, or whenever the hell it was, is that they're going to run their offense through Aaron Gordon, Nick Vucevic, and when he gets back, it'll be Evan Fournier as well. So there's a very real chance Cole Anthony does not make fantasy value this year but I think you have to hold on a little bit longer while he figures out how to play close to I mean he played through 23 minutes yesterday while he tries to figure out how to play 30 minutes a game it's gonna it's gonna take a little bit if you have someone else 
Like if, if, if there's someone floating around on your waiver wire that's a little bit more of a sure thing, that's fine. But again, starting point guard, you have to at least see this through a little bit. Understanding the upside is severely capped by the fact that they're not running through stuff through him. I don't like Terrence Ross taking only six shots. I'm going to blame this on the competition. He did at least get two steals in the ballgame, but just was sort of off. He's cooled off here a bit over the last week after a torrid start to the year. And we know how he runs hot and cold. I said it on uh, yesterday's show, I think it was. The difference this year is that his cold spells, he's, you know, top 130, top 140. And the hot spells, he's with top 50. Whereas in previous years, the, the hot spells were top 80 and the cold spells were top 200. So everything has just sort of shifted forward a click. I don't know what the hell happened to the Suns, but they walked into Washington and just, well, barely played. The numbers on this game don't make any sense. The Wizards shot the ball much better than Phoenix did and uh, out-rebounded them. But, you know, the Suns made a bunch of free throws and only turned the ball over six times. If you were just looking at the stats, you'd have thought this game was closer than 21 points. It was a blowout the whole way through. Blowout the whole way through. Chris Paul, Devin Booker sort of survived the blowout loss. They had decent enough ball games. DeAndre Ayton did not. He remains a buy low. But I will say once again that I think we need to reset our expectations here because his usage is way down this year. He took 10 shots in this ball game. He's at 9.5 roughly per game on the season. We need him. You know, last year he was at 15. That's how he got up into the top 20. But he ain't getting to 15 shots a game this year, I don't think, unless they dramatically increase the speed of play. And maybe they will. Maybe they'll get moving a little bit once they sort of figure out. Not to say they haven't yet, but this team is still feeling each other out very much. Very much getting a feel for one another. So DeAndre Ayton remains a buy low. The longer this stuff keeps up, the, the cheaper he'll become. Problem is that somebody probably spent a second rounder on him, and I don't think they're going to give him up for somebody that's you know, any worse than like a fifth, and that's probably the absolute lowest you could offer for a guy like that. When, I, you know, looking at the way he's playing this year and looking at the usage stuff, there are things that are going to come around. The, the blocks will probably be a little bit better. The free throw percent is obviously going to trend up. That's way below where he's been his first couple of years. The scoring will probably come up a little bit, but, you know, maybe he gets to a dozen shots instead of 15. That probably puts him more in that top 40, top 45 range. So you really would have to go fifth round if, if you're going to want to see profit on that deal at this point. I think you got to adjust down from the second round expectations. He's probably not getting there. But it sure as hell be better than he is right now. On the Wizards' side, we were really only paying attention to one thing, and that was the center battle. Robin Lopez and Mo Wagner. Lopez went for 11 and 11, somehow missed four out of five of his free throws. No threes, no blocks. Yes, he did go five for six from the field in 26 minutes. He's the starter for now, and he'd probably stay that way because Wagner tends to get himself into foul trouble. After day one, my assessment is that neither one of these guys is worth adding because Lopez generally doesn't quite rebound like this. Wizards had a ton. Wizards had 53 rebounds in this ballgame. He's, he's a bit more of a box-out artist on the whole. Wagner has the quicker path to fantasy value in that he does more generally in the minutes he's on the floor. But right now, I don't know that either one of them is going to get up and over that cut line. Charlotte is hot. Hornets are rolling right now. Gordon Hayward had 34. 
He's having a big, big year as the lead guy on a basketball team. Again, number 23 in nine cats so far this season. Steals will probably come down. Everything else for him is not that far off from what you'd expect. So, you know, I, I think you can expect a top 40 season probably at the worst. So that's cool. Miles Bridges had a better ball game, but I still think he's a drop. He's not going five for six from the field every night. LaMelo Ball, eight points, 14 boards, seven assists, three steals, a block, two three-pointers. I know he didn't shoot the ball well, but he is he's a, hes a brilliant young basketball player. I cannot gush enough. And you guys know how much I hate rookies, and I'll, I'll do it on these shows as long as I have to. I, I did that long Justin Upton-Max Scherzer comparison where you can just feel the difference. You can hear it in baseball. In basketball, the eye test is everything. I, I beg of you guys, if you didn't watch this one because Charlotte, New York, probably didn't get your, your, your juices pumping, please watch a Charlotte game soon and just watch LaMelo Ball. Whether or not he has the basketball in his hands, just watch what he's doing. He is a quarter step ahead of everybody else on the court. And when he can start to shoot, if ever, and, and I'll I'll believe that it'll get better. I mean, his, his brother got better, and Alonzo still can't really shoot, but he's certainly better now than he was a couple years ago. This kid is special. This kid is special in a weird, unique, new way. He is going to be very, very good for, with health, a long time. P.J. Washington went back to being P.J. Washington for a game, so at least I didn't look like an idiot forever. He did still have two threes and a block, but four for 11 shooting, missed a free throw, uh, just, you know, middling. This is the fantasy line that keeps him outside the top 100. We'll see. You know, it's a we'll see thing. If he continues to get those center minutes, then he belongs on fantasy teams. He's number 106 in 9-cat on the year so far, and this line was basically a 106 size line. That's about all there is on that one. Bismack Biombo's finally fading. Thank the good Lord. He did not belong playing the minutes he was getting. That was unwise of Charlotte. On the Knicks side, they were just gassed, man. They played so many minutes in the previous game, and they just they didn't have it in this one. They got, they got stomped early, got back into it, but just didn't really have the energy to get over the hump. Mitchell Robinson, 12-11, two steals, two blocks. He looks great. Made all five of his shots. Missed two free throws, but, you know, you got to love the defensive stats. That's that's what he's there for. Field goal percent, defensive stats, rebounds. That's what you're getting out of him, and, and you're getting him at an elite level. And potentially trending up. You guys know I love me some Mitch Rob. I don't know. I mean, we're you know, we're he's number 40 right now in 30 minutes a game. I, I think the eight rebounds and the 1.9 blocks actually go up. 1.6 steals might come down. That's tough to know. That one... Maybe that sticks, maybe it doesn't. But, you know, three and a half defensive stats a ball game, could that go even higher than that? I'm thinking no, but if blocks goes up to 2.1, 2.2, and the steals comes down to like 1.3, you take that trade because blocks are harder to get than steals. And the eight rebounds, I'd expect that to go up to eight and a half or nine. So when I said top 25, I was probably being a little bit optimistic. But at number 40 now, if he just sort of holds or gets a tiny bit better, he probably ends up in the top 35 when this year's done. Hmm. Interesting. All right, moving right along. Uh, Nerlens Noel played really well in the first half of this game and then did nothing in the second half. 
which seems silly because uh, Knicks were getting bludgeoned in the second half. Could have tried something out. He remains a defensive stat specialist, and he needs to get about three to four more minutes per game to actually do that stuff. Alfred Baden, 15-6-4 with two steals. I maintain the exact same stance on him I have for the entirety of this season now, which is he's a starting point guard. He needs to be on a fantasy team. But yet, but yet, he's outside the top 220 players in nine category leagues because, again, he went 0-2 for at the free throw line. He had three turnovers. This is one of his better games, too, with a three-pointer and two steals. I'm assuming the steals will come around. That's always been a part of his game, and they're super low this year, so that'll tune up. The assists at, at you know, four in this ballgame, one would hope that that number would get better. He's at four and a half for the year. He's right around where he's been lately. They run a lot of their offense through R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle. My hope is that assists trend up and, and get up and over five, and steals get into that, you know, 1.4, 1.5 range, because then maybe, maybe. He gets to fantasy value. It's a tough one, man. Everybody wants me to like Alfred Payton. I just, I can't. I can't do it, guys. His fantasy holes. I know everybody loves steals and assists. I know. But a horrible free throw shooter. Not good from the field. Like, if you're not going to make three-pointers, you have to at least be good field goal percent-wise, don't you? Anyway. Memphis beat Cleveland. We finally bet a Grizzlies game and got it right. I think it was like 0-5 trying to read the Grizz coming into last night. But we got this one. Uh, they needed it. It was a rematch game against the Cavs. They're just they're a better team right now, and they they finally showed it a little bit. Played well down the stretch. Desmond Bain actually made some really big shots for the Grizzlies, but overall, pretty ugly fantasy game. Anybody playing the Cavaliers, you have to be ready for a pretty ugly fantasy game. While they are currently down, Colin Sexton, Darius Garland, and Kevin Love, you can see their plan is to turn the game into a gross little slugfest where Larry Nance Jr. can move the basketball and get steals, and Andre Drummond can just sort of bonk his way towards the rim, and they don't have anything else. They are offenseless. So they're trying to win things with defense, and it worked for a while. But man, the pace of these games was gross compared to a lot of modern NBA. Brandon Clark was fine. 15 points on... uh, 7 out of 13 shooting. He's just sort of slowly moving in that right direction. He probably ended up getting a bit overdrafted this year, but he's getting there. Hang tight. Hang tight. You'll be fine. Dylan Brooks really locked in on defense in this game. Took some really ill-advised shots also. The good with the bad. And then, of course, the guy we were watching this game was DeAnthony Melton, who played only 18 minutes. Looked good in the 18 minutes, but just not getting up and over the hump. And I am moving towards finding another solution there I don't I don't think that I don't I don't I just don't think he's gonna get the 25 26 minutes that we were hoping for if you can't if you can't get them with no jaw and no JJJ how are you gonna get them when this team has their two most prolific offensive players back in the lineup Cavaliers are a mess I'm not even streaming guys on this team because they are Real bad. Isaac Okoro played pretty well. Filling in. Hopefully Colin Sexton's back tonight. We'll talk about that when we pivot towards the the night ahead. Philly down most of their guys. They did have Joel Embiid back for this one, and he was fine. He had 24-11 and 11 in 23 minutes, but the Hawks finally got their game together a little bit. Uh, Trey Young, 26-8. and eight. 
no turnovers. That was a big deal. Made some shots, made some three-pointers, and then everybody else was sort of just okay enough because they didn't need to play more than about two and a half quarters. Philly pretty much just called this one a night in the third quarter, and that's fine. Uh, and that's the fear here going forward. Philly is hosting Miami tonight. We'll sort of we'll discuss that one here in a little bit. Joel Embiid likely out on the back-to-back. No, it sounds like he's going to try to play in the back-to-back. Okay, that's good news. Ben Simmons, I think, should be back for this one, so that makes Philly a little bit more dangerous. They got two of their guys back, still missing Shake Milton, still missing Tobias Harris, a couple other guys that are floating around out there. If you streamed Tyrese Maxey, uh, I'd be a little bit concerned with Simmons coming back. But again, with no Milton, no Tobias, someone's going to have to do something. Danny Green went 0 for 9. You jerk. I just talked about how you could have a really good week, and he was terrible. He'll, he'll probably be better in this one tonight. You know Danny Green. He's crazy streaky. 0 for 9, though. Ugh. I'm not big into streaming right now. We're very early in the year to be streaming. I'm looking for guys that, and I, this probably annoys some of you, and oh well, that's the way it is right now. I, I just don't. I don't I don't like the idea of cutting potentially rest of season useful dudes the first couple weeks of the year just to try to squeeze a couple extra games out. And I know with Philly they they've got a five game week so there's a lot to be said there, but for daily leagues I'd rather hunt for somebody that I can keep the rest of the year. You might end up dropping like what if you dropped Kelly Olynyk? What if you picked up and then dropped Darius Garland early in the season? Those types of things happen early in the year when you're on mega stream hunt. I, I think you probably start streaming a month into the year. That's that's a to me that's a better plan. It's a DFS thing. You get our DFS guys on it. Sacramento snapped out of the funk, beat Indiana 127-122. Rashawn Holmes was wonderful, 16 and 10 with six blocks in this game. And if you watched the game. Rashawn Holmes was the reason the Kings won. He was everywhere on defense. Buddy Heald snapped out of his funk with six three-pointers on uh, six out of 11 shooting. So the the very beginnings of Heald starting to get back into the mix. He's still number 151, so there, there's still a buy-low window happening here. But you, you got to move quick. Harrison Barnes has uh, been better than expected this year. He's number 54. But 53% shooting is not going to stick all year. So expect that number to dial back as usual, as it always does. He tends to actually get off to pretty good starts before he begins to fatigue a little bit. Worth using right now, though. Just know that it's not going to last the whole year. And then, of course, the the one the, the thing we're really paying attention to, Marvin Bagley. Just 24 minutes in this game. He was pretty active, 8-7 and seven with two blocks. But 24 minutes is not enough. For him to have consistent fantasy value, I think you can probably move on there. Um, but I wouldn't blame you if you wanted to hang on another week or two just to see if maybe something turns for uh, for Bagley and, and what he's doing with the Kings. On the Indiana side, Victor Oladipo set to sit out a back-to-back, which just opens up a few more minutes on the wing. Justin Holiday's been solid enough. Not as good in this ballgame, but still played 34 minutes. Doug McDermott got hot, went 8-for-10 from the field in this one, and uh, who knows, he might do it again. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bank on it against the Warriors, but with no Oladipo, they'll be looking for some additional contributions from these other guys. Miles Turner, only six points, but five defensive stats again. Man, he's having a crazy good year on that defensive side. Toronto, Portland, Raptors blew another one. 
Good Lord. Pascal Siakam triple-doubled, but for not. Freddie Van Fleet, Kyle Lowry, both tired and bad in this game. Uh, but they did cover, so at least there was that. Pascal Siakam, first career triple-double, by the way. Chris Boucher, 20-8 and eight with three blocks. They're now feeding him all the minutes he can handle, and he's on his way to a big fantasy season. Even if there are those games where he intermittently vanishes, he's locked in, and, uh, I mean, it looks like he's on his way to putting up one of the, the best. He may be one of the best draft picks in fantasy this year. He's number 27 and trending up lately. So he could be it. He really could. I don't think we're getting ahead of ourselves because Aaron Baines is not playing. He's out right now, and you know that'll change things a little bit. But Raptors are going small more often, and that means just more consistent Boucher. On the Portland side, Yusuf Nurkic injured now. Hurt his quad midway through the second quarter. That gave, uh, believe it or not, Rob Covington a little more wiggle room in this game. They went small. Rocco played some five against Boucher or, or Siakam because, you know, he can hang with those guys. And Rocco got nine shots. Unfortunately, he didn't make very many of them, just two out of the nine. But nine shots for him is glorious. And if this is sort of the thing that unlocks Rocco, turns him loose a little bit, starts to settle in and get those eight, nine, ten shots per game instead of six, that's a really big deal. Got his two steals, only one three-pointer. I, again, I would just say, hold on tight. Mello had his wake-up game, but, yeah, I mean, we know what happens in between these things, so don't get too excited. He's been fine so far this year, and that's about the best you can expect is fine. Meanwhile, CJ McCollum, he's been amazing. He's number three. He's number three, and he's going to come back to earth. You know, 21 shots per game is crazy high. 28 points, five three-pointers a night. For McCollum, all of it. He made five again yesterday. That's not going to hold all year. It's not. But he's probably going to overperform his 60 or whatever ADP. You might be looking at the, was it two, three years ago when CJ had a better shooting year and he was more of like a top 30 guy instead of top 55? I would still trade him for anyone inside the top 30 at this point. Not anyone at this exact moment inside the top 30. I should. Anyone where you have a valuation of them as finishing well inside the top 30. If you try to trade him for someone inside the top 30 right now, you probably won't get them. You might want to trade it for somebody who you think is on their way up, headed into the top 30, and isn't there yet. And you're like, Dan, what about Shea? No, it's, it can't be somebody who's super hot right now. It has to be somebody who's sort of doinking around a little bit deeper in the bucket and maybe on their way up the board. You're not going to get Giannis. You're not going to get a first-rounder for CJ. We think Chris Paul finishes the year in front of CJ McCollum? I do. Chris Paul's at 60 right now because he's shooting 43% and he's under a steal per ball game. You don't think that stuff is coming up under a three-pointer? He's taking 11 shots. What was he at last year? 12? He's right on pace to duplicate what he did last year. Uh, but all of the peripheral stuff is just down because he's not comfortable yet in his new surroundings. 49% last year, he's at 43% this year in one and a half shots fewer per game. His three-pointers, he's not taking as many. The assists are actually up. The steals are down from 1.6 to 0.7. You want to add one steal a game to that dude? Tell me he doesn't jump two and a half rounds of value just from that. So these guys are out there. I, I mean, this is the moment I think you should be shopping McCollum and see if you can get somebody who you know is going to finish inside that top 30 that isn't there right now. 
Or hell, maybe you can convince somebody who's near the top 30. Maybe you want Brandon Ingram for McCollum. I don't know. Gordon Hayward, he's at 23 right now. He's probably actually to come back to earth a little bit. I don't know how much deeper you can go into that stuff, though. Like Jimmy Butler at 31. Maybe you could get Jimmy Butler for C.J. McCollum. I'd do it. Do that in a heartbeat. Butler's out for COVID stuff. At least he's not hurt this time. All right, that's your Monday recap. Not a whole lot of pickup drop stuff on that Monday, but a few kind of interesting fantasy notes to uh, analyze. I'll mention once again here in the middle of the show that if you want to come aboard here, if you want to be a part of our team at HoopBall, hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Vespers, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. We are bringing on blurb writers on the full-season fantasy side. That's the recruiting pitch for this week. If you want to learn how to be a fantasy writer, you need to be able to, you need to, be able to string sentences together. Like You, you need to have reasonable uh, coverage of normal grammatical life. <laughs> this, is how, this is how a podcaster says it and sounds sounding a little dumb while I'm trying to get my way through this thing. You need to have a grasp of the English language. Uh, but we can turn you into a sports writer instead of just a writer. So hit me up. Blurbs. That's where you start. Grows into articles, grows into premium stuff. That's the the lineage there. It's It's a commitment. You know, it's you're not it's not a dabbling, but if this is something you really want to do, there's no better place to start than on the newswire at Hoopball. So hit me up at Dan Bespris or email team hoopball at hoop-ball.com. Let's take a peek at the Tuesday card. We got a postponement, but other than that, still six games left. This is from a gambling standpoint, one of my least favorite cards of the year so far. You've got Miami and Philadelphia. Miami's missing their entire roster. Philly's getting a few guys back, missing about a quarter of their roster. Philly favored by seven points. This is stream city on both sides. If you have guys like Embiid or Simmons, they get a big bump. On Miami, if you have Olenek, Tyler Hero, those are the guys that sort of were able to hang in there. If you're looking to stream, go to our DFS show, DFS Today. Those guys are giving you all the best guys to grab in that spot. That's just not my thing right now. We're too early in the year for mad streaming. Because you know these guys are not going to have full season value. Picking them up for a couple of games. That's just not my thing, man. We got a games cap in Roto. I got, I'm looking for dudes that can give me production in the head-to-head playoffs or for Roto for, for weeks. For weeks. I'd rather spend those roster spots stashing a really good injured guy than rotating a streamer on and off my board right now. Who, frankly, I might plug them in there in a night and then they just don't play. There's too much risk on the fantasy side there. Philly as a seven-point favorite makes me want to back Miami because this is their first game without everybody, and when a team loses half their roster, there are a bunch of other guys usually that are ready. They're just like, you know what? Play me 40 minutes tonight, coach. I can do it. I can hang in there. Now, admittedly, Miami has very few of their orchestrators, but Tyler Hero is not bad, and Kelly Olynyk is fine, and, you know, depending on how much Joel Embiid actually plays. Philly, I feel like, wants to make sure they get this win after losing a couple with most of their guys missing. So uh, I'm not going to bet this game, but if you did, you, uh, you'd probably have to take the underdog. 
Denver is in Brooklyn. I don't. Uh, this is another game I wouldn't touch with a 20-foot pole on the gambling side. With the news of Kyrie Irving now likely to miss multiple more games and breaking COVID protocol and whether or not he left the team because he wanted to go to a birthday party, like all of this stuff makes the Nets a dark cloud. And under dark cloud, usually bad things happen, but it's also just really unpredictable. It's a metaphor. I'm taking it too far, but I don't care. I'm going to keep going with it. It's also very hard to see under a dark cloud, and that's the way I feel about Brooklyn right now. They've been playing terrible defense. They just lost to the Thunder. Denver comes in here. Nuggets have actually been playing better. They're starting to get a little bit more focused. I would lean to Denver in this game, but I also think they might just take this thing lightly. And with Brooklyn, they might be mad. Are they mad at Kyrie? Are they going to play better now without him if they're getting upset? like There's weird stuff going on with the Nets, and so I don't want anything to do with it. From a fantasy standpoint, again, with Brooklyn fill-in guys like you know guys like Joe Harris are going to do more with Kyrie out and Levert's going to do more with Kyrie out but otherwise not a whole lot there to speak of and with Denver you're mostly just tracking the main dudes is Will Barton going to do enough is Jermichael Green going to become a thing is Paul Millsap going to get hurt soon and then Jermichael Green can become a thing Michael Porter Jr. not quite back yet Utah at Cleveland. Jazz laying 11 points on the road. The Cavs on a back-to-back cannot score. Total of 206.5. I mean, I just, you know, Cleveland wants to play very slow, gross basketball games. The question is, how much does Utah invest in this game and do their shots fall? I would look at the under, if anything. I couldn't possibly touch the side in that ballgame either. That's a lot of points. Utah's playing well right now. They've, they've sort of ratcheted it up after a couple losses. They beat Milwaukee and... That woke him up a little bit, so no thank you there either. Fantasy-wise, nothing. Nothing. San Antonio, without DeMar DeRozan, is in Oklahoma City. Thunder back home off a 4-1 and one road trip. Really good performance from the Thunder, who now are getting some love. Only a 2.5-point underdog. With OKC, you're not watching a whole lot of stuff. I know some people picked up Hamadou Diallo. I have him on my 30-deep roster, but he's not going to stick in 12-teamers. There's some stuff he needs to work out with his fantasy game anyway. Thunder are playing well. The The usual guys are the ones to keep an eye on in that game, generally the starting five with the Spurs. Lonnie Walker, he's doing more with no Derek White. He'll do even more now with no DeMar DeRozan. Patty Mills has taken a lot of shots. The rest of the team generally healthy. And then, you know, we talked about how Rudy Gay was sort of right on the cusp, and if there was any downward movement in his minutes, then he moves back outside and that's where he's at right now. So not a whole lot I'm keeping a watch on on the Spurs side either because we're talking about some fill-in stuff again. Lakers and Rockets. The Lakers four-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. That line got as high as six, but it's now coming back down. The uh, Lakers thwomped the Rockets two days ago, just beat them up. John Wall, questionable, last I saw, with a migraine. I haven't seen an update on that regard yet. But that line coming down makes me think maybe there's an expectation either that Wall plays or that either Braun or AD doesn't. I think both of those guys were listed as questionable, and they'll be getting days off throughout the year. This is a game where I like the Rockets. I think they bounce back. I think this is the—it'd be pretty weird for them to just sort of throw in the towel on this type of ball game. I'm a little worried that that last game with Houston was the one that kind of woke up the Lakers— you know, Boogie and Markeith Morris getting in a fight. Those guys getting ejected. Lakers deciding, you know, we're going to clamp down right now. And they still are running two guys at Harden, and the Rockets still don't seem to have a way out of it. 
fantasy standpoint, if John Wall's out, you just sort of get more stuff for Eric Gordon, more stuff for... Oh, Daniel House, by the way, is in the, the health and whatever protocol. The fact that he's the only one makes me think it was something on his personal side. So hopefully they keep that from... You know, I think they probably will. That's the beauty of the, the stuff on the personal side. We've heard, and I don't know if you guys saw this, that the players who they're living with also get tested. So I don't know where Daniel House is living, but the people that he's living with are also being tested. So if one of them came back positive and House now is quarantining, presumably even if he got it in a couple of days, he'd be quarantined uh, beyond early enough to keep that from spreading into the team. So that should be... Hopefully, and get, again, if this is from the personal side, this should be an isolated incident. But again, with no John Wall, you're just talking about a little bit more stuff for everybody. I mostly want to see what they expect out of Boogie if he can't get his butt ejected from a damn ball game. Please stop getting ejected, Boogie. We're trying to figure out how many minutes is the target for you right now. Is it 17? Is it 14? Is it 20? He's a hold, but man, the ejections are making this a pain in the butt. Two games he's been kicked out of. Already he's extended our data analysis window on his games by four days. Ugh, driving me nuts. Nuts, I say. Pacers-Warriors back-to-back for Indiana after losing in Sacramento yesterday. Warriors favored by three. This game opened at one and has been jumping in the Warriors' favor. Total of 229 Golden State, I would expect Steph Curry to bounce back after his one of his worst games as a pro in that last one against Toronto, where they somehow still won. That was unbelievable that the Warriors, that the Raptors could not capitalize and win that ballgame while Steph was unable to throw a stone in the ocean. He'll be better in this one. Draymond Green should prove to be a pretty annoying matchup for Demonis Sabonis. So from a matchup standpoint, I actually think the Warriors have the right pieces to deal with Indiana. Victor Oladipo resting. I think that's part of why you've seen this line move. It jumped from uh, Warriors, basically a pick them to like Warriors by two, and then the Depot news, it jumped to three. I-, I don't think I can touch the Warriors. I think this line has now moved a little bit too far for my liking. Pacers are going to compete. This should be a good ball game. Warriors could very easily open it up and win by six or seven at the very end. Or, you know, to me, that's coin flip. Like, I think it's going to be close in the last two minutes, and then at that point... It could go either way. So not. I, I wanted to bet the Warriors to sort of bounce back off a weird Steph game, but I'm probably leaving that one alone. And then from a fantasy standpoint, Draymond Green had his first good fantasy game that last time out. Uh, can he do that again? Is this a sign of things to come, or was that more of a, hey, Steph isn't doing it today. I have to go do more, and I got to make sure that these other guys on the team do more too because he's... He's the engine, and we talked about that even before he came back, that that Draymond was going to help the Warriors far more than any small line movement might indicate because he's their anchor on defense, and he's sort of he's the guy in the middle on offense that can move the basketball in a way that other guys just can't. Thank you, as always, to our friends at mybookie.ag for their continued support, and all of the betting stuff we're doing on the show is because of mybookie.ag. Sign up today with promo code HOOPBALL, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L. It unlocks a 50% deposit match bonus, but more than that, it lets them know who sent you. And if you love HOOPBALL, that's the thing that you should be most concerned with anyway, right? Open up an account today with promo code HOOPBALL and let me know you did so, and I may have a prize for you. Tweet at me, at Dan Vespers. Say, Dan, I opened up a MyBookie account. What you got? And I'll hit you back. 
You'll like it. I promise. You'll like it. I promise. MyBookie.ag. You bet. You win. They pay. This was Fantasy NBA Today. Everybody, a hoop ball presentation. We'll put a pin in this stuff, and I'm going to go through all these amazing suggestions of fun things we can do either on Twitter or on this show. Once again, a reminder, hit me up if you want to be a part of the team at HoopBall. We're bringing on blurb writers and go to hoop-ball.com and get a monthly pass of some kind. Power the locomotive. This podcast, by the way, will always be free. I am Dan Vespers. Have a great day. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.